and welcome to the Arsenal way. Back with you guys for another show, another episode of our Prexbox series. I'm joined by our colleague from Football.London. I'm happy to be joined by Kai. Kai, how are you doing, mate? You well? Are you good? Very good. Yes, very good. Thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good indeed. As we were saying off air, it's been a little bit of a while since we've linked up, but it's... Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, you've had to deal with Bailey. I can only apologise. <laughs> We're joking, Bailey. We love you, really. Um, but no, it's been interesting to kind of, from an outside perspective and obviously being away for a bit, just kind of reflecting from a fan's point of view. I know that you recently went to a game as a fan when you've been yeah. going as kind of, uh, obviously, for your work instead. It is strange when you go back as a fan, isn't it? Yeah, it was nice. Uh, I got to watch the game with my dad. I haven't been to a game with my dad in over two years because of the pandemic, so I really missed that. And um, yeah, it was really nice. I got to shout and swear at the players as much as uh, I normally am able to. You can't really get away with that in the press box. But uh, yeah, it's a really nice experience. And it's a nice way to sort of reconnect with the team as well. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. Um, obviously, last night's game was was a little bit special for a number of reasons. Uh, it was n- a few nice surprises came through. Um, it was nice just seeing the lineup, I think, in particular, and seeing Balogun starting, Patino, of course, on the bench. When that came through, was there any surprises for you or did you kind of expect the youth to be given a chance? No, not really. The only surprise was obviously no Chambers or Maitland-Niles involved, but we found out pretty soon after that Maitland-Niles was ill, not due to COVID, and then Chambers, unfortunately, has tested positive for COVID as well. And then with him out and Pablo Marie out. That made sense as to why Ben White then had to play. And the 4-3-3 sort of, again, was forced because Arteta wanted to rest Partey and Jacker and um, Sambi Lekongri is also out due to COVID at the minute. So, yeah, his hand was kind of forced in terms of the lineup he played. I, I didn't really like the 4-3-3. I don't think it suits Arsenal. I think they look much better when they had a 4-2-3-1 second half when Xhaka came on. But, listen, it was it was good. And um, I, was, I was happy to see Flo Balogun started because... Um, He's not started every game in this Carabao Cup run. He's been he's been on the on the bench for a lot of it. So um, yeah, it was it was nice to see. It's a shame he couldn't quite um, take the opportunity, but I think his time will definitely come. Yeah, I, I think I described his performance as a bit try-hardy. Like it looked yeah. like he really wanted to get on the score sheet, and there was a number of times where a pass was on or a cross was on, and he was desperate to try and you know work a space to to take an effort to go and get on the score sheet. And I think when you see and Ketia getting a hat trick as well is not going to particularly help your own mood and where you feel you sit in the manager's plans. But he, I think he needs a loan, and and that hopefully will happen in January. Speaking of Ketia. Obviously scored a, a hat trick, a very Enketia esque hat trick with the where the chances were of course taken from. He is the little fox in the box and he's already clinical from that kind of close six yard box kind of range. How do you feel about his situation? Um and it's a question I actually put to Guy last night on the match reaction show. And I said, if you put Enketia in place of a Bamiang this season, would he score more or less goals uh, than the four in the league that Bamiang has so far? Good question. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll get round to that answer uh, <laughs> okay. in a sec. My, my, my general point about Nketiah, and I wrote this in my talking points piece this morning, is you mentioned he's a fox-in-the-box type striker, but Arsenal haven't been a team who have played anywhere near the box until mm. quite recently. They've been very slow to get the ball up the pitch, which is why... And Ketia, in my opinion, hasn't been able to really show the form we've seen at youth level under England under 21s at senior level. And now, um, listen, when you're a young player coming through, you don't get a God-given right for the whole team to be built around you. And that's just the reality of it. And Nketiah has had opportunities to score that he hasn't necessarily taken. So that would that would be sort of a caveat to that. But now that Arsenal are playing a lot higher up the pitch and a lot closer to the opposition goal, we're seeing in these Carabao Cup games that he is reaping the rewards. And 
getting a lot more opportunities as a result. So it depends when you're throwing him in instead of a Bamiang in your question there. Is it at the start of the season when Arsenal were... The whole thing. The whole thing? Or, yeah, I think he'd probably have more than four goals. Um, those kind of chances that Aubameyang has missed, it, the one against Newcastle, that was a bit of a freak miss, but Nketiah mm. has made a... I mean, I say a career, he's only 22, but he's made a name for himself as someone who takes those kind of opportunities and gets those kind of opportunities. So maybe he would have he would have got himself a few more goals. Um, it's it's really hard to say uh, with with him yeah, and the Valley and very very different players, aren't they? So it's a it's a tough comparison to make. It is indeed. Um, where do you sit on what Arteta does with him now? Because I mean, we hear from Arteta in his press conferences that he wants to keep hold of him. From my perspective, that looks near impossible to convince him to stay because. He's in a situation where Arsenal, yes, are going to lose Lacazette, could lose a Bamiang, depending on what goes on with his future. They're looking to bring in a striker. If we lose both a Bamiang and Lacazette, I mean, realistically, there could even be an option to, to look to bring in more than one striker, depending on how thin we might be. So, when with that in mind, I understand that Nketiah's perspective will be, well, I'm, I'm not going to get any minutes. And you've got Balogun coming through that's, that's going to be looking to get more minutes too. So, an exit makes sense. But do you think that we we could look back on this as a I'm trying to think back an Emmy Martinez style or a what Matteo again does is making a few fans uh, regret maybe with his performances in Marseille? Do you think we'll look back on this with regret if we let him go? Um, no, I don't think Eddie Nketiah will, will ever be a player who. Um, if you look at what Arsenal are trying to do, they want to be play a team who are challenging for Champions League, Premier League trophies at the very top. If you ask yourself whether you think right now Eddie Nketiah is ever going to be that level, I think for me, at least the answer would be no. I think he could be a great squad player for Arsenal, but he doesn't want to be, which is fair enough. He wants to go and have a first-team career elsewhere. And yeah. it's very difficult to convince Eddie Nketiah that he'll actually get minutes at Arsenal because the reality is that Lacazette is in front of him and plenty of other sort of more experienced players. Aubameyang, until very recently, has been in front of him as well. So... I don't see him staying. I think he will leave at the end of the season. And I think he knows that Arsenal are probably going to look to buy another striker in the summer with Lacazette going. He's not, he seems to, seems to be handling this situation very smartly. Like he's not committed himself to anything he shouldn't have done. If you look at what Harry Kane did at Spurs, um, the contrast there is uh, uh, massive. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's, he's, he seems to be handling himself pretty well. And all he can do now is keep scoring, keep training well and make Arteta want him to stay even more. So and with every good performance he does, he does himself no harm. He, he does Arsenal no harm in terms of progressing in the Carabao Cup. But um, yeah, it's, it's a shame from an Arsenal perspective that he looks like he's going to leave for nothing more than whatever you know the Tribune decides to mm. give in a compensation bid, which I think personally is a bit of a, a bit of a travesty, just because he's England 21's record goal scorer, and Arsenal really should have tied him up a long time before they only started having those conversations about a new contract after it was too late. If you'd signed him up. I know hindsight is a wonderful thing, but if Arsenal, the summer after um, they'd won the FA Cup, that sort of COVID-impacted summer, if Arsenal had signed him up then, he probably would have signed and Arsenal probably wouldn't have to deal with this and they'd probably be looking at another Joe Willock situation where they could get a lot of money for a player who they don't really need. As things stand, it looks like Eddie Nketiah is going to go um, on free. But personally, I, no, I don't see Arsenal ever regretting him in the way they've done like a Serge Gnabry or a Martinez or anyone like that. You say you think you're going to freeze. Do you think there's any chance that the club would let him leave if they got a decent bid in, in January? No, not with the Aubameyang situation as it is. I don't think mm. so. And with Flo Balogun set to go out on loan, I think Nketiah is he's here to stay unless something crazy comes in. 
Um, I don't know, someone offers 30 million like uh, Southampton got for Danny Ings in his last year. It doesn't have to year. be that high. I feel like 15 no, to 20. No, exactly. That's, that's yeah. the point I'm making. Unless something yeah. that crazy comes in, I can't see Arsenal um, letting him go. There's no real need for them to do so because if they sell him and with Aubameyang currently, who knows what's going on with him. Um, and he's going to be away at AFCON anyway in January by the looks of things. Lacazette, six months left in this deal. Balogun heading out alone. Martinelli looking better on the wings. It just doesn't really make much sense to let Nketiah go right now, just in terms of sheer numbers, unless, like I said, something crazy comes in for it. The star of the show, despite Nketiah getting a hat-trick, though, <laughs> stole all of the headlines, was, was Charlie Patino uh, coming on for his debut. Uh, I think it was James Bench put a tweet up about we were something like 10 games into our invincible run when he was yeah. bored, which made me feel so old, um, which is ridiculous. Um, but it was a great moment for him. And it was interesting because there was some, there's something about Arteta that I think a lot of fans maybe have had wrong in, in the past. I remember in his kind of his first full season last year, there was kind of this perception that he didn't really want to give opportunities to, to youngsters. Now Arsenal, Arsenal have one of the youngest teams in the Premier League and Patino's getting chances in the cup. We saw Salah sit on the bench for the Leeds game as well and given that opportunity to be in and around the senior squad. Do you think these moments say a lot about kind of Arteta and what his vision is for the future and, and maybe his own longevity at the club as well? Yeah, um, I think... People were right maybe to have that early perception of Arteta because if you look at his first few signings, Cedric, Pablo Marie, Willian, they yeah. were all players who were aging or, you know, old basically. And now he's signing younger players and he's giving younger players a chance because I think with experience, he seems to have found that in this current Arsenal crop, those are the guys who he can rely on. So, um, yeah, it's a sign of Arteta's longevity. And obviously he's been in the job two years now. I don't think realistically he's ever been close to being sacked. And I think he's felt that security and that uh, support from the board and that's enabled him and empowered him to make decisions for the long term of the club. So if you look, um, another manager who was under more pressure may have played Gabriel Martinelli a little bit sooner, whereas Arteta was willing to wait, willing to bide his time until Martinelli was just ready and then threw him in and we see the kind of player he is now. It's a similar situation with Charlie Patino, who could easily have been given a debut before uh, against AFC Wimbledon. I remember there was a lot of upset that he wasn't even involved in the squad. Last round against Leeds, he probably could have been involved as well. But Arteta has been very clear that he knows he's in the job for a long time, so he can afford to sort of wait it out and allow these players to sort of, I think the phrase he used was cook nicely. So it takes a bit of time um, for these young guys to come through. And Arteta has done a pretty good job of developing young players. Um, if you look at some of the players who are in the Arsenal side right now. So, yeah, I think I think it's uh, definitely a positive sign of things to come and definitely, like you say, a sign of the, the strength of Arteta's position at the club. Patino in particular, though, great moment for him, of course, and, and getting that goal is only going to give him confidence that there'll be more opportunities for him to come. I mean, when do you kind of realistically foresee him breaking through? Because there's questions whether or not, like Balogun, does he need to go on a loan? Or is he of kind of that talent pool like Bakaya Saka or Smith-Rowe? Well, I suppose Smith-Rowe has also been on loans as well, but you quickly forget that you had those moments. Um, but Saka in particular, of course, who didn't have that loan and just came straight into the Arsenal first team. And where do you think he kind of sits on that spectrum of, of his future? So I've got, I've got a piece along these lines coming out later this evening, so I don't want to give too much away. But uh, I'll, I'll answer the question by saying, basically, I think he's unlikely. Answer it like Arteta would answer a question in his press conference. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> very good. So we're very pleased with him. And then I won't say anything. <laughs> no, um, he's, yeah, he's obviously, I think 
I'd, I'd be surprised if he had it out on loan at the minute. I think in terms of numbers, Mohamed El Neni's going to leave in the summer. We don't know what's going to happen. Is he making another? So Arsenal are going to need numbers in the middle of the park. And you would assume with how things are going in the league at the minute that they'll probably be in Europe next season. I don't want to jinx it, but that would obviously provide more games and potentially opportunities for Patino to get first team chances. So he he's someone who will probably stay. I think people have compared him to Phil Foden and that's not a stylistic thing. That's in terms of the pathway he's going to have. So obviously lots yeah. of people wanted Phil Foden to go out on loan in his early time at Man City when he wasn't getting that much game time and everyone saw he was such a good player. Um, but he ended up staying and becoming one of the best ta- talents England has to offer. Charlie Pacino, I think, is going to do something similar. Um, I, when I spoke to Perma Saka a couple of months ago now, he was basically saying that we want Charlie Pacino to be dominating under 23 games. And then when he's dominating under 23 games, they'll look to move him up. But they'll make a decision on him at the end of the season. They'll evaluate his likelihood of getting into the side, the minutes that he's going to need, and uh, things like that. So that's all it's all got to be taken into account. If you think about it, um, he's a player who already looks pretty capable at senior level, which is very impressive given that he's only 18. But he's still very young and still quite slight in stature. So in terms of physicality, Arsenal needs to just manage him just, just correctly, just so they don't throw him in too early. Because we all saw what happened with Jack Wilshere when Arsenal threw him in too early and he physically wasn't ready, his career um, was made to suffer as a result. So Arsenal will be hoping to learn from the past with Charlie Patino, but I'd, I'd be quite surprised if he heads out alone. I think he's he's one to, to stay in the first team picture. I agree. Um, on the, the other player that was kind of, that's drawn a, a bit of discussion uh, is obviously for his goal and to assist Nicolas Pepe. I, I kind of looked at his performance and tried to contextualise the game in the sense that we're playing against Sunderland. He's not played many games so far this season. This is obviously an opportunity to show Mikel Arteta what he's been missing. Now, on paper, seeing him score a goal and get two assists, immediately like he's made an immediate impact and he's done something really positive there. But I think there is kind of a layer underneath that that you have to also assess, which is what does Mikel Arteta want from a winger? And that's where I feel like the performance of Pepe is due a little bit of measured criticism. Because yeah. I think for the goal on Sunderland's half, he was at fault for his position uh, from a discipline standpoint. He rushed the midfielder, completely abandoned uh, Broadhead, I think it was, because Cedric was so far up the pitch and out of position anyway. So he was kind of had to cover in there. And I think he had 11 losses uh, or losses of possession during a, during the game, according to Scout when I checked earlier. And he completed, I think, six of the 11 dribbles that he attempted. So... With though, with that in mind, do you think it's fair to, to kind of highlight those points? Because when I did last night on the agenda show, on the match reaction show, there was quite a bit of pushback from from the fan base. So, and that's not a warning; <laughs> that's just kind of contextualising where the reaction has been. But how do you view that audition? I suppose of a performance. Yeah, I've I've had quite a bit of pushback for sharing that opinion as well. I happen to agree with you. Um, a lot of people are very angry about that fact on social media um but I, I wrote about this in my talking points piece from the game and Pepe yeah like you say I think as much as he was great going forward with the step overs with the goal with those assists we know he can do that that was great for the Arsenal fans but yeah. in terms of what Mikel Arteta wants like you were saying not so good because obviously end product is fantastic but Bukayo Saka provides end product what separates Bukayo Saka out and Emil Smith-Rowe and Gabriel Martinelli and the reason they're getting starts and minutes at the minute 
is their defensive work, the fact that they don't switch off positionally, the fact that they do press, the fact that they do know where to be, the fact that they don't hold on to the ball for too long, and the fact that they use it quickly. Arteta could be seen, I think, on the touchline during the game, having a go at Pepe, saying, Nico, 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 get in the right position to press um, from a goal kick. And then later in the half, Ben White was, uh, I think, also quite angry with Pepe because he held on to the ball for too long, Sunderland got it, and this was when the score was at 2-1. They actually managed to create a go quite a good opportunity. So... Mm. Pepe is a frustrating player in the sense that we all know he offers so much in the final third. But realistically, while Mikel Arteta is manager, I can't see him ever being a regular starter just because of, like we said, those moments where he switches off, those moments where he loses concentration and his tendency to just spend a little bit too much time on the ball. And I think that sort of measured criticism is the kind of stuff where you, you can sort of analyse Pepe as being a player who's very good but also with flaws. So if I'm highlighting the flaws or if we're highlighting the flaws on this show, it's not because we're saying he's a terrible player who should never play for no. us. Again. We should sell him tomorrow and give him away for free. It's just that there's a reason why he's not starting and there's a reason he's not been involved hardly at all over the past month in the Premier League, despite the number of games that Arsenal have had. And that's because he doesn't do the things that those young trio that I mentioned before do so he's not going to get the minutes and it's unlucky for him because I think in another team he might get opportunities and under another manager he might get opportunities but the reality is that Mikel Arteta is the Arsenal manager and he likes things done a certain way that's not going to change so whilst that's the case it's it's really hard to see Pepe getting regular game time without injuries or suspensions or those kind of things. The the substitutions were interesting, is what I would describe them as. Uh, the reason why I say interesting is obviously because Arteta is limited with the players that were available with, let me say, Chambers, Maitland-Niles, etc. Lukonga were out. There has been a bit of a call as to say, in a game against Sunderland, why bring on someone like Martinelli or Gabriel, who could say get injured, and instead... You know, look at the under-23s. Omar Rekic is doing very well. Amari Hutchinson, Kido Taylor-Hart are doing very well. Why not include one or two more kids on the bench so that when you're in a situation where you're, say, 4-1 up with 10 minutes to go or 15 minutes to go, you don't have to risk your first-team integral players like Martinelli and Gabriel and instead bring on some more kids to blood in. Do you think that's a fair criticism of Arteta, that he wasn't brave enough with his you know, team call-ups? I don't know about bravery, but I, yeah, I think that's a fair a fair point to make. Um, my counter to that would be Arteta didn't know he was going to be 4-1 up um, with 10 minutes to yeah. go. So he could only plan for the opposition. And as far as he's concerned, he's got to have that in reserve off, off the bench because if Arsenal were in a position where they weren't beating Sunderland uh, at home in a game which they really, well, they did win comfortably and they were expected to win comfortably, he needed someone off the bench um, to be able to, to change that. So I think that was the thinking behind having Gabriel Martinelli and players like that on the bench. Gabriel, I think, was brought on just because he wanted to share that game with Ben White. And then obviously Marie and Chambers were both out. So I think that explains that one. Mm -hmm. um, Martinelli, maybe Hutchinson could have been given a chance. Um, yeah. But I don't know. There's also Kido Taylor-Hart has done quite well for the under-23. So um, there, there's plenty of wingers, but I think... You don't want to be seen to be giving out those opportunities just for the sake of it. You want to be giving them to the players that have earned it. And that's something Arteta's always been very clear on when he talks about young players. So he's not talking about playing young players because they're all under under the age of 21 who have come through mm -hmm. the under-23s. He's talking about playing them because he's seen them in training, he's liked what he's seen, and he genuinely thinks they can make a contribution to the first team. So that's why Patino was included this time. That's why Salah was included last time. And 
maybe he's not seen enough um, from the likes of Hutchinson and Taylor Hart, who are both like 17 and 18 years old. So obviously Patino is 18 as well, but he is an unbelievable talent. Those guys, uh, Hutchinson, Taylor Hart, both fantastic players who could go on to have careers at Arsenal, who knows, but they're still very young. So to throw them in straight away, as much as it would have been nice to see it, and it would have been a very sort of old school Arsene Wenger type thing to do. And I think maybe that's why we're all so keen to see them because we were brought up on those Carabao Cup ties where like Carlos Vela would come off the bench. Or I remember mm. I think Jay Simpson um, scoring a few yeah. goals. Uh, players like Mark Thomas, I remember Jay as well. Emmanuel Thomas, Sanchez Watt, those kind of guys mm. came through the youth ranks. And yeah, Arteta, uh, sorry, Wenger used to throw them all in. Um, Arteta doesn't quite do that. So that's just a stylistic thing. And personally, I was fine with it. But Easy to say, look, if, if Martinelli had been injured by one of those horrific tackles that Sunderland put in in the last few minutes, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. Lastly, League Cup semi-final, Arteta's second uh, domestic semi-final. Of course, we reached the, the Europa League semi-final last season as well. So third, I suppose, in total. Um, is this a competition that you think he is genuinely targeting uh, to try and give us that boost uh, towards in a season similar, ironically, with his routes to Manchester City, how Pep Guardiola has used it as a competition to kind of give a team a springboard into the final months of the campaign. For sure. He was asked about it in his press conference after the game and he said, um, I think most teams want to view this as a trophy. That's a uh, view this as a trophy they can win because there's not that many trophies out there and there's a lot of good teams. If you think about the big six in England, there's only four trophies that can be possibly won. That means every season, at least two of them aren't going to be getting anything. And that's before you count other teams like Leicester who won the FA Cup last season. So any chance of silverware is always a positive and it buys Arteta time and it gives him, I think, a little bit more sort of credit in the bank for the project that he's trying to deliver. So critics will always be there. But if he's got another trophy under his belt, he can just say, look, I've won three trophies in my time at Arsenal. I've been here just over two years. People will say Community Shield's not a trophy, fine. But um, <laughs> two trophies, if you want to be pedantic about it. One and a half, I suppose. But if Arsenal do win the, F- uh, the Carabao Cup, then that will mm. be, you know, another sort of feather in his cap. And it's a great experience for those young players who have been involved so far. And it's also a really good chance for him to keep giving minutes to the players who probably don't play as much. So he probably wants these competitions to go on as long as possible so that he can give minutes to his squad players and get them involved so that when they need to come in to the first team, like we saw with the Lacazette earlier in the season, then they're ready to do so. Absolutely. Kaya, thank you so much, mate, as always, for coming on the show. Tell people where they can find you. Thank you for having me on. Um, Twitter, at KayaKainat97, as you can see on the little thing there. And I'm also on Facebook, uh, KayaKainat Journalist. And the London website is, of course, where you can find all the articles and other good stuff. And you've got an exciting piece coming out this evening um, yeah, yeah. as well, which we've not alluded to at all. So nah, uh, talking about. <laughs> make sure you give that a read tonight. You can find myself at Tom Cantor Media and you can find the Arsenal way at the Arsenal way N5 on Twitter. We'll be back tomorrow morning uh, for the Arsenal Agenda show. Other than that, have a fantastic evening and we will see you again very, very soon and keep following us down the Arsenal way. Oh,